the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to today's edition of The Plum Line, brought to you by Reasons for Hope, training and equipping a new generation to stand boldly on the Word of God. You can find information about them at r4h.com. That's the letter R, then F-O-R-H.com. I'm your host, Jay Rudolph. On the broadcast, I'll be joined by Bodie Hodge of Answers in Genesis as we discuss dragons from a biblical perspective. You'll want to stick around for this one. You can reach out to me at this email anytime, the plumb line radio at gmail.com. Plum is P-L-U-M-B. The plumb line radio at gmail.com. Support for The Plum Line is provided by these fine business sponsors, EPS Wealth Management of Phoenix, who serves clients in several states. Call them for a no-cost, no-obligation conversation about your financial concerns, 623-537-3657. And Simple Turn, their online health resources teach your kids how health really works and how to avoid 90% of chronic disease. Get your family's free health course at mysimpleturn.com. Life can be tough, and sometimes we all need a helping hand. That's where Integrity Counseling Group comes in. At Integrity, we're not just counselors. We're your companions on the journey of healing. We believe in restoring connections with yourself, with your loved ones, and with your faith. With three welcoming locations in Mission Valley, Carlsbad, and San Marcos, plus convenient telehealth services across California, we're right by your side, San Diego. Visit us at integritycounselinggroup.com or call us anytime at 760-283-7000. 760-283-7000. On today's edition of The Plum Line, I'm your host, Jay Rudolph, and I am very excited to once again be joined by Bodie Hodge of Answers in Genesis. He's a speaker with that ministry and speaks and presents very frequently at the Creation Museum and Ark Encounter. And we have talked a few times before, and this go-around, we're going to discuss at least in brief, dragons in particular, and a little bit about dinosaurs as well from a biblical worldview. Well, Bodhi, you have a complete book on this, so I think maybe a good place to start after I say welcome to you is to just have you share where can people find this book that will give them a lot more information. Yeah, well, I've been working at the Ministry of Answers in Genesis for many years, and uh, that's one place you can go, answersingenesis.org. It's published by Master Books. You can find it through Master Books as well. But the book is called Dinosaurs, Dragons, and the Bible. And it was an amazing and fun book to put together, no doubt about that. Yeah, and that's been out for a lot of years, so maybe there's some updated information even that we can bring across in this broadcast, because that goes back, what, was it 20 years or something, 15, 20 years that came out? or Yeah, I've been involved in the ministry, you know, I've been there over 20 years, you know, so I was there, you know, at the groundwork laying the foundation of the Creation Museum, I've seen behind the scenes with the RP counter, so that's been pretty exciting. This Dragon book, though, this one's fairly new. Uh, so, uh, yeah, this uh, particular one, I've written a bunch of stuff on dinosaurs and dragons. I've got an older book, which is more of a fold-out book, which is pretty amazing resource as well. But this one here came out, I think it was around this summer sometime. 
this past summer, 2023. Okay. That may have been the fold-out one that I saw online. That's probably what right. I'm thinking of. So, well, good. Well, that's, what, that's what most people think of when they think of, you know, me and Dragon Books. That's that <laughs> very first one that I did. And it's, it's very popular. That book made the top 200 children's books in America, actually, when it came out. So uh-huh. it's pretty exciting. Yeah, I'm sure that's what I saw. Because that's what I always, before I started interviewing you more regularly, that's what I always thought of you as kind of the children's minister about dragons and dinosaurs. Because my kids grew <laughs> up with you, as I'm sure many people's kids did and the great videos and stuff. So anyway, we're getting off uh, off kilter here, but let's talk a little bit about the subject at hand. And I think interestingly, as you said, even though you've been doing this for a lot of years and a lot of other people too have been talking about the facts surrounding creation and the reality that dinosaurs and humans lived at the same time, it doesn't seem to matter how much time we've spent and effort we've spent on trying to get that out. There's still a whole lot of people who are deceived and don't believe or don't understand that truth, aren't there? Well, that's exactly right. And, you know, we're in a culture, not just in the Western world, but this is starting to permeate many parts of the world, is a secular worldview. And in the secular worldview, they they view man uh, as just showing up recently in this evolutionary timeline of millions and billions of years. Of course, that's contrary to what the Bible teaches. God created everything in six days, rested on the seventh, man was created on the sixth day. Animals were also created on the sixth day, the land animals in particular here, what we're talking about. And dinosaurs are land animals. So man and dinosaurs live together at the same time when you start with Scripture. But like I said, the culture, we've been imposed with this secular viewpoint. I was taught it for many years. This separates man and dinosaurs out. So there is a huge distinction between what the world is teaching and what God is teaching in His Word. And I think what we need to do is get back to God and His Word and say, hey, God's the one that's always right. Let's get back to the subject properly. Yeah, exactly. That needs to be our foundation. And I guess movies like Jurassic Park maybe have helped a little bit in this regard. I'm not necessarily a fan of those, but at least they show the dinosaurs and men living together. Right? That's right. Yeah, we, we see that in Hollywood a lot. The common teaching is, hey, let's separate man and dinosaurs out. But there's, there's no fun in Hollywood that way. you got to bring those dinosaurs up and have them chasing you around and stuff. Of course, we don't know. You know, dinosaurs could have been quite timid creatures toward man and so forth, too. Uh, we just don't know those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. We don't necessarily see in the scriptures men fearing or worried about that, although I guess the Leviathan is talked to certainly about as a fearful creature, but we can get into right. that a little bit more later here. So uh, I want to kind of focus a lot of our attention on dragons here, and from what you and I were talking a little bit before we started recording, in essence, uh, a dragon may be a form of a dinosaur, at least some dinosaurs have dragon in their name, right? Well, that's correct. You know, one of my favorite dinosaurs is called Dracorex hogwartsia. And uh, you can see the name dragon in there, Dracorex, Draco, Draco, is really just a Latin name for a dragon. And hogwartsia, that comes from Hogwarts, actually, the, the Harry Potter movies. Huh. This particular uh, dinosaur was unearthed when those movies were out. And it looked so much like that dragon that appeared in that particular movie that they actually named it after it. Uh, so it's hard to believe where some of these names come from. But there's another dinosaur called Dragon of Kijong. Dracopelta is another one, you know. So you can see that in the secular world, they still, in one sense, recognize the name dragon and the connection between dinosaurs and dragons. Now, there is a distinction between dinosaurs and dragons. To understand this distinction, you need to know what the definition of a dinosaur is. A dinosaur is a land reptile that has one of two hip structures so that it raises its body up off the ground. That's why things like crocodiles or Komodo dragons, they're not considered dinosaurs because their legs come out to the side 
It's more of a sprawling method. They're not underslung and hold the dinosaur up. Now, when it comes to the idea of a dragon, a dragon is more of an overarching term. It included flying reptiles. It included land reptiles. It included water reptiles. Even things like uh, a crocodile could rightly be called a dragon. But remember, dinosaurs are a very specific type. So here's the way I like to say it. All dinosaurs could rightly be called a dragon, but not all the dragons out there could be defined as a dinosaur, if that makes a little more sense. Yes, it does. And I want to take that a little farther. But before I do that, you said something early on in your comments there that probably startled a lot of people. And I think if I heard you correctly, you made a statement, something to the effect of this particular whatever dinosaur you were talking about was alive when the Harry Potter movies were made. I thought all dinosaurs were extinct here. (laughs) Yeah, sorry, it was unearthed. That's when they found the fossil. Uh, <laughs> and the fossil was somebody. Sorry about the confusion. Yeah, I talk fast sometimes. So. <laughs> yeah, but I may have misheard you too. But uh, anyway, yeah. Right. So, but the funny thing is, though, I, I actually kind of wanted to bring that up because while we, you know, assume all dinosaurs are extinct, we do have some relatives, I guess, that we could say. I don't know. Explain this better than I can. I guess the reality that relatives of them may still be on Earth. Well, you know, those are good questions. For me to say that all the dinosaurs are extinct, I'd have to look everywhere in the entire world at the exact same time. <laughs> and I'm not that good. <laughs> uh, you know, there are remote possibilities. They're living in some heavily forested areas, you know, in Africa or in Amazon, those kinds of areas. Uh, the other possibility is they live underground, and they only come out once in a great while. You know, we see that with some of the ancient uh, dragon accounts. They would live underground for a long period of time, and then they would come out only once in a while. You know, what I would do is I would leave open some options, but at the same time, I don't have my hopes too high until somebody actually finds one. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, obviously we talk about different kinds within the same species. And so can we say that there are some, like I mentioned, relatives, I guess, if that's the right term to use, yeah. of dinosaurs that would still be existing, though? Well, you know, that's possible. You know, when we think of the flood, a lot of people, they've been brought up with a secular mindset. They're not thinking in terms of a global flood. When we start with the Bible, there was a global flood that, that wreaked havoc on the earth. That's what laid down the vast majority of the rock layers that we, that we find that contain fossils. So we find a lot of, you know, say, triceratops or protoceratops or torosaurus. There's a number of these different ceratopsian types of dinosaurs that are found in these rock layers. What we need to understand is through the flood, a representative of each of those kinds were on board Noah's Ark. So a representative of the Ceratopsian kind of dinosaur was on board Noah's Ark. And we actually represent that sort of stuff at the Ark Encounter. So those would come through, and then you can get variations of those types of dinosaurs after the flood, many of which have probably died out. But there is that possibility that there is a variant form somewhere here there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, thank you. I probably took that farther than I should have in the time that we have, but I, I appreciate that. You answered my questions anyways. So let's get back to this dragon thing here. And the number one thing that comes to my mind, and probably a whole host of others, is the question, were there really these fire-breathing dragons like I see in my favorite Lord of the Rings films? <laughs> here? You know, uh, I actually love the Lord of the Rings, sort of my kids. And, uh, you know, we like watching that sort of stuff. At the same time, though, the Bible is what's the absolute authority. And the Bible does talk about a fiery flying serpent, which would rightly be called a dragon. So we do have things like that in Scripture. We find that in a few different places. The fiery serpents, for example, these are the non-flying ones, are mentioned in Numbers 21, 6, and 8, Deuteronomy 8, 15. But the fiery flying serpents, the ones that flew, they're mentioned in Isaiah a couple of different times. So it, it does. It just makes you wonder. 
you know, what did those look like? What type were those? Those are great questions. The Bible only gives us limited comment on it without giving us a full description. So uh, I'd be curious to know a little bit more about which ones actually shot fire and flew, but that is a neat concept that does come out of Scripture. Hmm. Yeah. And scripture is, and it's kind of interesting. I pulled up, it's a little bit older article here that you have at the answers in Genesis.org website. I think it's entitled Are Dragons Real? And I pulled that up. People can find, I'm sure, a lot of this in the book that we've referenced as well that you have out on dragons and dinosaurs. But I was amazed how many times the word dragon, or at least the, the Hebrew word that we've translated as dragon, comes up in the scriptures. Yeah, it's in there quite a few times. And it mentions water dragons, it's talking about flying dragons, as well as land dragons, uh, which shows you how big of a term that really is. But there are quite a few, sometimes it's in the plural form, sometimes it's uh, more in the singular form, and there's variant uh, words that's uh, used for that. But yeah, it's all over in there. Hmm. Let's talk a little bit more about that in the sense of, and just my scanning through this article that you've written here, there is some question about what this uh, Hebrew word, tannin, if I'm saying that correctly, you know, if it is really referring to dragons or jackals, I see you talk about. So just talk a little bit about the translation of that, if you would. Yeah, in fact, I had to put a whole chapter uh, in my book on that to really deal with it. One of the things that I did in the book that we hadn't done in the articles on the web was go back and look at the history of how that word has changed. What I found, that Hebrew word tanin, there's also tano, there's variations in the word. Hebrew is a little different than English. You know, you can have variations of the word, and yet it still kind of conveys something similar. But with this particular word, if you go back all the way to things like the Septuagint, which is, you know, going back, you know, over 2,000 years ago, when they would translate that word, they were using dragon. You look at the Latin Vulgate, they were using dragon. You look at foreign translations, they're all using dragon. You look at old English translations, they just consistently called it dragon, dragon, dragon. But then all of a sudden in the 1800s, you see a shift. And there's a little lull period in there where you see different translators that had no idea how to translate the word. Sometimes they translated the word as a particular animal that wasn't a dragon. Sometimes they would translate it as a plant. It was very odd, and then some people started to say it was a wolf, some people started to say it was a jackal, which I thought was very odd, because there is another Hebrew word for jackal uh, that actually is used in Scripture. So, if you look at the history of what happened, it was in the late 17, early 1800s, when people started to say, okay, well, we don't see dragons anywhere. Where are they? They're looking around, they're trying to find them. they're trying to classify creatures they can't find dragons. And so, what ran through everybody's mind is, well, they must be a myth. Because this idea that animals could just up and go extinct was actually, it, it was very a tough pill to swallow. I mean, we understand that now because we've mapped animals all over the world. We see animals on the verge of extinction. We see some go extinct. But back in those days, they hadn't mapped everything. They just assumed, well, they're living somewhere else. So they had this idea that, oh, well, they can't go extinct. The Bible's mentioning them here. Well, maybe they were a myth, and maybe we're misinterpreting the word. And so they tried to translate it as something different. And so you start to see that pop up in the lexicons. And uh, if you actually follow that history, it's quite interesting. People are really struggling to do that. We're just now having people say, oh, wait, there's a connection between dinosaurs and dragons. These things are likely going extinct. And that's the whole reason for it. Mm, so, interesting, interesting subject. Yeah. 
Yeah, it certainly is. And uh, I want to get into a little bit here because you mentioned in this article I'm looking at about a large flying dragon that was killed in the late 1800s, which fits in with what you were just sharing here. So I want to talk a little bit about that. We'll do that when we come back from the break here. And the reality that dragons, yes, the scriptures, I believe, certainly make it clear that they did exist. Do they still exist today? Well, kind of like our discussion about dinosaurs, that's an interesting one to think about. But we'll continue on some of this with my guest, Bodie Hodge of Answers in Genesis. As the plumb line continues. Hope you can stay with me for the second portion of the broadcast. And I'd love to have you reach out to me, share your thoughts, comments, questions about the broadcast. And you can do so by emailing me at this address, theplumlineradio at gmail.com. Plum is P L U M B, theplumlineradio at gmail.com. Love to have you touch base with me. I'd also appreciate it if you would touch base with uh, business and ministry advertisers that you hear on the plumb line. They make it possible possible for the show to air in your area. And so reach out and say thanks to them. Utilize their services if you can do business with them uh, and to show your support uh, for them as well. And thanks for tuning in. We'll be back. Support for The Plum Line is provided by these fine business sponsors, EPS Wealth Management of Phoenix, who serves clients in several states. Call them for a no-cost, no-obligation conversation about your financial concerns, 623-537-3657. And Simple Turn, their online health resources teach your kids how health really works and how to avoid 90% of chronic disease. Get your family's free health course at mysimpleturn.com. Have you ever tried to buy gold and silver and felt like you were talking to a used car salesman? That's because the precious metals industry is like the Wild West. Salesmen can say pretty much anything or make any promise they want without repercussion. But Genesis Gold Group is different. They're a faith-driven Christian precious metals company and believe in educating their customers, not pressuring them for a quick sale. Genesis Gold Group focuses on customer service, not sleazy marketing. Genesis Gold Group is named after the first book of the Bible for a reason. Proper stewardship of wealth is their specialty. Find out why they've earned a 5 out of 5 rating through the Better Business Bureau and how they can help you secure your wealth or retirement through physical precious metals. Call right now to learn more. 800-239-8132. That's 800-239-8132. Thanks for joining me for The Plumb Line. I'm your host, Jay Rudolph. On the broadcast today, I'm joined by Bodie Hodge of Answers in Genesis. We're talking about dragons in particular from a biblical worldview. And in our discussion, as we were talking a little bit about the 1800s and how the Hebrew term, there was seems to be a difficulty in the way to translate it starting around the 1800s. It was also about that same time that there was a discovery, and I, there have been many other discoveries over the years and centuries, as Bodhi will point out to us. But uh, in 1890, Bodhi, I'm reading an, an article here that you wrote, a large flying dragon was killed in Arizona. Pretty fascinating to me. But this is, as you said, this isn't the only account, but tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, this was uh, recorded in the tombstone at the top. It was the late 1800s, maybe around 1890 or so. Uh, a couple of ranchers spotted this flying reptile. It was a huge uh, creature, actually, and they thought it was wore out. But I guess they shot and injured it, and then they took off after it on their horses and they ended up finishing it off. But it was fascinating. They gave a description, and a bunch of the townspeople came out and took a look at it. They even sent samples off to different scientists. So, you know, it was right out in the open. But, you know, the description of it is, 
this was a, like a flying dragon. The description actually reminded me a lot of something like a large pteranodon of some sort. Of course, you know, without seeing actual pictures or things like that, it's tough to really say, though. But that's not the only one. You know, we find a lot of accounts of these different dragon-like creatures all over the world. They're found on just about every continent. I don't know about Antarctica by, by any means, but, you know, there's descriptions of it from scientists, very well-respected people, historians, going back for thousands of years. Herodotus mentioned them. Uh, back, he was several hundred years B.C., just to give you an idea. And he was a very well-respected historian that traveled uh, all over the ancient world. We also see accounts of these going all the way up to about the year 1500. Around the year 1500, uh, we started to see a massive decline in encounters and interactions with any of these dragon-like creatures. What that tells me is, okay, was this around that time frame where they were starting to go extinct, where there's fewer and fewer of them? Because most of these dragon legends we encounter all throughout history ended up with dragons getting killed. We need to remember that. So they were being killed by man. And another thing that was really happening is the expansion of people, the age of exploration, were destroying swamps, draining them out for farm ground. A lot of the ancient dragon accounts had these dragons living near swamps, living underground uh, near those areas. So, I mean, we're probably destroying a lot of the habitat. We're getting better guns. Wouldn't surprise me if that period from the 1500s to the 1800s really saw a lot of dinosaur dragon-like creatures going extinct uh, in various places around the world. Wouldn't surprise me at all. Mm, yeah, exactly. Now, I just remembered that I brought up uh, the word Leviathan uh, a long time ago, early in the broadcast here, and mentioned that we would hopefully get a chance to go back to that. So if you can briefly share a little bit about the Leviathan described in the scriptures and how that potentially could have been a dragon, right? Right. You know, scripture actually calls Leviathan a dragon at one stage. So yeah, we can definitely say it was a dragon. Now, it was a water creature, so it's not a land one running around like that. Although, uh, you know, it could raise its head up, it could splash down into the ground, you know, according to the description. Job 41 gives an incredible description of this Leviathan. You can't get him with darts or a spear. I mean, the scales are too hard. You can't, you can't do that. So, I mean, think of a, a bow and arrow or spears. It's not going to pierce it. You know, there's some people who said, oh, well, maybe this is a crocodile. You know, something like that. Well, we can actually spear those. We can actually get those with a bow. So, mm. you know, it just doesn't fit that description. It was definitely some type of creature that you wanted to watch out for. So there's no doubt about that, but definitely water dragon. Mm, yeah, I know one of my goals as we talk through this is to point out that, yes, indeed, dragons were real, and the scriptures confirm that because we base everything we talk about on the plumb line, on the authority and the inerrancy of the Word of God. And that brings me to wrap this up or ask you to wrap this up. We've got about, oh, three minutes left or so yet, so I'm hopefully giving you plenty of time here. But I wanted you to mm-hmm. kind of draw this to a conclusion. And in the context of that, basically, the gospel as well comes in because ultimately what we see happening here is the extinction of the dinosaurs and the dragons as well, assuming that they're all gone now, uh, is the result of the fall of man and, and sin. That's right. It really does. You know, big picture, people need to understand that God's Word is the absolute authority. There is no greater authority than God on any subject. So even when somebody comes up and says, well, I don't really believe the Bible, well, they're actually committing a fallacy, a logical fallacy called faulty appeal to authority, because they're not in a position of authority above God. So we need to remember, God's Word trumps everything else. Now, when I deal with dinosaurs and dragons, and I'm dealing with this subject, you know, I have a lot of people say, hey, Bodhi, isn't Satan described as a dragon? Yeah, metaphorically, he is in the book of Revelation, for example, and he's called the serpent of old, because he influenced the serpent to deceive Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Well, to deceive Eve, and then he gave the fruits, uh, of course, to Adam. 
And that led to the fall of mankind. That's where death and suffering came into the world. It goes all the way back to that event. Satan was right there. Yeah, he was a great dragon. I think there's a good reason for why he was called a great dragon, because dragons were very fearful creatures. These are creatures you want to watch out for, just like that Leviathan. But think about this. The punishment from an infinite and eternal God is ultimately an infinite punishment that should go on forever, just by the very nature of who God is. And that brings us to the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is infinite, he could take the infinite punishment from the infinite Father. Only he could do it. Through his death, bloodshed, and his resurrection, the infinite Son took the punishment that we all deserve for our sin against the Holy God, going all the way back to Adam and Eve. Only he was in a position to do that. So the infinite Son took the infinite punishment from the infinite Father, and that's what makes salvation possible. So when I look at dinosaurs, when I look at dragons, Leviathan, or all these different creatures, in the back of my mind, I just keep wanting to say, hold on, this all goes back to Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. And I hope people really consider the claims of the gospel, that good news of what Jesus has done. Mm, amen. Me too. And I'm going to share my email address again in just a moment here that I would love to have you reach out to me if you're someone in the listening audience who is hearing that gospel message that Bodhi just proclaimed for the first time, maybe. That would be hard to believe, but that certainly is possible. Or maybe you've heard it many times, but uh, the Holy Spirit is working on you right now and helping you to understand your sin and your need for a Savior. So I'll give that email address in just a second here, but let me wrap up with my guest, Bodhi Hodge here and say uh, thank you, Bodhi. I so greatly appreciate uh, having you on the show, and I encourage people to pick up a copy of the book now that I know that it's uh, a lot uh, (laughs) new. Well, even if it was old, I'd still encourage them to pick it up, but that's great. I'd love to have them pick that up and go to AnswersInGenesis.org as well. So thank you for being on. You bet. God bless you, brother. Bodie Hodge, again, my guest, speaker with Answers in Genesis, as we've been talking about dragons in particular from a biblical worldview. Well, here it is, my email that I want to have you and the listening audience reach out to if you need to know Jesus Christ. If you're not what we call born again or don't even know what that means, reach out to me at this email, theplumlineradio at gmail.com. Plum again is P-L-U-M-B. There's a B at the end of the word plum, theplumlineradio at gmail.com. And even if you have trusted in Christ and been a born-again believer for a long time, reach out to me nonetheless because I want to hear from you and know your thoughts about the broadcast, any comments that you have. I'd love to have support. This is a listener-supported Christian radio ministry, and you can reach out at that email, and I can direct you on how to support as well. The Plumline Radio at gmail.com. We'll see you next time on The Plumline. The Plum Line has been sponsored by Reasons for Hope. Check them out at r4h.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.